Okay, are we good on the recording? Test one, two. Sounds good. Okay. Okay, go, go ahead. ahead. How do people see monitoring and evaluation in one word? Not again. Challenging. Burdensome or burden. Burden. But I think that that's starting to change. What could monitoring and evaluation be? Um, um, an opportunity. Opportunity. I like that. An opportunity for improvement. What would you say? See, I think for me, there might be a lot to learn, but that once you once you do, you can see how useful it is. I want to make data fun. You are listening to the Monitoring and Evaluation Technical Assistance. Or Meta Podcast. Improving the collection, management, analysis, and use of data. To improve outcomes to refugees in the U.S. Brought to you from the International Rescue Committee with the support of the Office of Refugee Resettlement. Meta. Welcome to another episode of the Meta Podcast. My name is Meg Gibbon, and I'm the Program Manager for the IRC's Meta Project in Monitoring and Evaluation Technical Assistance. Today, we'll be talking about data quality. How can we ensure the best quality when we're collecting data in refugee case management programs? To share their thoughts, three great guests are joining us today. First, Prospero Herrera, IRC's Program Officer for Data Quality Management. Prospero prepares regular reports on client arrivals for the IRC's processing team, as well as reports on matching grant, intensive case management, and more. Before joining the IRC, Prospero was a data coordinator for Harlem RBI, a nonprofit serving youth. Hi, Prospero. Hi, Meg. Next, Abigail Clark-Sayer, IRC's Program Officer for Information Systems. Abigail leads maintenance and development, as well as user training and support for certain internal data systems. She also comes from a direct service background, having worked extensively with low-income populations in Chicago. Thanks for joining us, Abigail. Hey, Meg. And finally, we're joined by Jennifer Malloy. Jen first worked with refugees in Vietnam and has 20 years experience with refugees and immigrants in Washington state. She worked in programs at the IRC for eight years and currently works for the Washington State Office of Refugee and Immigrant Assistance. Hi, Jen. Hello. So what do we mean when we say quality data? At Meta, we like to talk about data that meets the three C's criteria. First, data that's complete. No blanks, dashes, or missing data. Second, that it's correct, accurately reflecting the reality of our programs. And third, that it's consistent with what's expected. For instance, not seeing the exact same numbers overly frequently or preferential end digits, like all numbers ending in a zero or five. Quality data is also relevant. It has a purpose and is the right data to collect, whether for reporting or making programmatic decisions that lead to actions. So many of the programs that refugee service providers deliver involve case management. And Jen, in your role in Washington State, I was wondering if you could give some examples of the types of data that are typically collected when it comes to case management for refugees. We're looking at this quite a bit in Washington State. We have started a new program in the last year promoting refugee immigrant mobility and empowerment, PRIME, We have actually learned a lot in the past year and struggled quite a bit in how we collect our data for case management. For all of our programs, as we manage funding from ORR, we're consistently collecting our demographic data. And that's critical to get right in terms of reporting back to ORR. With case management, we moved from more of an information and referral program to one that was really trying to capture case management outcomes. People who were really providing case management were really just reporting out on discrete activities that they did with clients. 
So when they did a housing application, they reported that as part of the data set and the payment was actually tied to those activities. This year we shifted and said, we're going to pay you for case management, but we want you to report data that shows us outcomes. So rather than us wanting to know every activity that you did, such as a housing application, we wanted to know when someone moved the needle towards self-sufficiency. We wanted to know if they got out of shelter and got into an apartment that they could afford or that that housing application finally had an outcome of getting into subsidized housing. So I think that has been a shift for all of us. And I think in terms of collecting that data for our providers, what has been a challenge, their work and the reflection of all the things that they were doing prior had been reported immediately because it was the activity that they were reporting. And now it might be months, it could be years down the road when they actually report a specific outcome as part of the data set. So we're looking at the demographic data, outcomes, and to be honest, we're still trying to figure out how to accurately report out on progress so that it's consistent across all our providers. For us, that's critical. Yeah, definitely. What are some of the pitfalls that pop up along that life cycle of data? So moving from a paper form or other type of collection method with a client all the way towards the report that we're hopefully using to inform our future programs. Some people might say magic, all of a sudden the data is in the database, but it's really heavily reliant on the caseworker or someone assigned to, to data entry. Um, I've, I've kind of done a little bit of both uh, roles. In my previous role as data coordinator at Harlem RBI, um, I had you know stacks of paper surveys that I was entering into the database. And so that um, entering that data into the database allows for your program to have kind of a bank of data to pull from. Um, or it's, it's the amazing caseworkers that we work with they're the ones who, as they're interviewing a client, they're entering the data directly into the database, into the form that's in the database, or maybe they're they're writing it down on paper um, and then transferring it um, electronically later. Or you know something that is very helpful is um, a mobile a mobile platform where they're entering data straight into a phone or um, an iPad that's going directly into the database. Of course, there there are some issues with this. Maybe you accidentally forgot to um, ask a question that's on the form. So that's kind of one thing that might lead to some data quality issues. Maybe you, a form was lost, a paper form was lost. At my, in my experience at Harlem RBI, we, we were tracking attendance for baseball and softball practices. Um, and every now and then there was a form, a paper form that was left behind at the field or something. So that is another kind of area where you might lose uh, lose some data, which will lead to data quality issues down the pike. And lastly, um, usually d- due to the amount of other work that caseworkers are having to do every day, it's really hard for, for them to find, you know, a period of uninterrupted time to really just focus on entering data. 
Sure. Um, what about you, Jen? I, I know that you're another step further after the organization level. Have you found that at that next step in the life cycle of data, there are other issues that pop up from the organizational reporting stage? Absolutely. We just had a meeting with um, some folks from a smaller ethnically based community organization yesterday. And we want a broad swath of organizations providing services to refugees in Washington state. With our smaller organizations, the person who's doing the case management seven days a week is also the person that we're asking to enter all the data and then ultimately do a billing. And I think the capacity of one person who feels the urgency to take care of the case management issue first, and then you can't get paid until you collect and report out all the data, can really pose a challenge. We also find that sometimes technology, and I think Prospero said if you could do stuff over a phone, that type of thing. In this this conversation we had yesterday, they don't have internet at their office, so they have to do it from home, and they have to wait until one or two in the morning when everyone's asleep and it's quiet enough to do this. So I, I think within the life cycle, there can be so many things that interrupt actually being able to report out the data, which is what we're looking at to tell the story of the work you're doing. So I think it can be challenging to have to have that added workload. And one thing that we're looking at is how can we ask for a data set that tells the big picture, but also doesn't put so much of a burden on our providers that all they're doing is data collection and reporting. Sure. I think that term burden is one that we've all heard at one time or another. When it comes to M&E, a lot of this can seem like a burden. And part of what we are aiming to do today is, is think about a few ways to alleviate some of that and to ultimately prevent the situation when it comes to reporting. Um, hopefully for all of us, it's not at one in the morning, but if it's at our mid-year report, end of your report, and we get to that moment and find out that we've been collecting a lot of data that we actually maybe didn't need to be collecting and is is not as useful as we hoped it would be, or the data we should have been collecting is is maybe missing or, or low quality. So I'm hoping that for the, the remaining time we have, we can talk a little bit about some solutions we might have to address the challenges you've all brought up. Abigail, is there any tip that you might be able to give to our casework staff to help them in this process and make it a little bit less burdensome? Yeah, I think it really starts with the data collection tools that you're using, um, whether it's a you know robust database that you're able to customize, or if it's a paper form, or if it's an Excel spreadsheet, somewhere in between. I think it's really important to design tools that are both comprehensive in terms of what they're capturing, that they capture all the things that you need to capture and nothing more. Um, there's no reason to capture that nice-to-have data. All the time I get requests for things that are nice-to-have, but then when it comes right down to it, 
that's not actually the stuff that we really need. Um, adding, you know, extra questions, every single extra question is an additional burden on that data entry staff. So really, you know, restricting your data collection tools to only the things that you really need. Again, everything you really need, but only those things. I think that's one one important piece when it comes to designing those tools. Again, whether it's a database or a spreadsheet or a paper form. The other, I think, really is to make sure that those tools are multifunctional. That's one of the ways that caseworkers and other, you know, direct service staff can really see the value in those tools. So, uh, for example, the database that we use, the primary um, space where we're capturing case notes, it's not just a place that is capturing that narrative case note you know, story of client service, but it's also a place where we're able to get, you know, a unique count of the numbers of activities and services that are being completed. So we've designed it in such a way that by recording a case note, you're really killing two birds with one stone. You're documenting that narrative story, but you're also contributing to a sum total of, of inputs that we can, you know, look at down the road to get that aggregate amount. So I think, you know, the more multifunctional tools are, uh, the more, you know, the staff that are using them uh, will be motivated to use them. If they see them purely as tools for compliance, we find that that's not particularly motivating. They have to be seen as uh, resources that they can go back to for information on their own case or on cases that they're working on as a team. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know from my own experience interacting with some of the systems Abigail's mentioned, it's been incredibly helpful to have that flexibility. Um, we all know as well that the sophistication in a database is obviously dependent on the amount of capacity staff have to manage it um, in a role like Abigail's or the amount of training that can be given to those staff uh, members and you know, not least of all the amount of resources we have to fund both the staff positions and the, you know, the actual systems that are needed. But that also doesn't mean that there's not a place to start that is free or um, low cost for smaller organizations. I'm curious as well from Jen and Prospero, what tips would you all have for improving some of the issues that you've run into when it comes to data quality? I would say um, just going back to the capacity of the caseworker, you know, it's it's really important that the caseworker and um, his or her uh, manager are able to work together to just kind of understand what type of work we that they're having and the amount of time that can be dedicated towards entering case notes. Perhaps uh, suggesting to, if you're a caseworker, suggesting to your manager, you know, if there's a, a day or a block of a day that you can dedicate towards data entry, that really helps get around, you know, being interrupted um, every now and then for other things. Um, and it really allows you to have a period of uninterrupted time to enter the data. I think it's also important for managers to constantly review the data with their direct reports. It's good to have not just one eye on it, but uh, multiple eyes. So really having you know someone that manages you or a colleague to look over the data with you um, is also helpful. Um, and lastly, I would I would add on to Abigail's point on the data that you're asking for and the questions that you're putting into forms. You really want to reduce that in something that I, I like to follow. Um, is only collecting data that can be acted on. If it's data that is just, you know, nice to see, like what Abigail is saying, you know, it's not 
really something that motivates staff to enter it. But if it's data that they can take a look at um, a week later or a month later and see that they can use this data to improve how they're uh, interacting with their clients and the outcomes, they can improve the outcomes of their clients by looking at this data that serves as more of a motivation for them to ensure that the data is as high quality as possible. I agree with everything Prospero said. One of the challenges for caseworkers, case managers, when I was on the direct service side, is really prioritizing what they can and can't do. Because our client needs could take up far more than a full-time job requires. So knowing that you do have to carve out a portion of your time, I think is critical, but is also a tough thing for many people to accept. You want me to stop, you know, when this person has this urgent need and set aside four hours a week to do the data. That means I can't help this many people with this many needs. That's a challenge, but I think it's such a a critical piece of the the caseworker's job is to really be able to tell the story of what they're doing. And I think oftentimes with our direct service staff, we just tell them you have to take this data and perhaps not show them how it's being used to tell the story at a state level, at a federal level. We use this data when the Washington State Legislature is in session to tell them about the needs of our refugee clients. So I think tying the need for the data to what the ultimate result is, is perhaps additional funding for our our programs. But I think with that, oftentimes people will see that as an exchange for the amount of time they're able to actually help someone. And that's tough. Yeah, definitely. That's a a really interesting point to stress about telling that story. As we come to the end of the podcast today, uh, I want to thank you all for giving such detailed perspectives on, on this question. And I wanted to ask if you could each share one key tip for ensuring data quality that you'd like refugee service providers to take away. If we did nothing else, what is the one thing that you would recommend we do to improve our data quality? I think I'll go back to my earlier point, just identify exactly the things that you want to capture and focus all your energy on capturing only those and capturing them to the best of your ability, complete, accurate, timely, uh, and that'll contribute the overall you know, value of all the data that you've got. I think uh, for me, really decreasing the amount of time between when the information was written down on a form to when the information goes into a database makes such a such a big difference. If you're having a conversation with a client, you have things in your head that maybe you didn't write down. These are things that you might add into your case note to make it a case note that's better um, in the long term for, for data quality. If you wait like a month to enter that case note, you might be losing really valuable information that was in your head at the time, but that you didn't write down. So really trying to enter data as frequently as possible. I think setting up realistic expectations for yourself. You can't do everything for all people. So identify exactly 
what it is that you can do in terms of case management. And a critical piece of that is how do you tell the story of that, which is the data collection. So I think looking at an individual's overall capacity and being realistic. If you can only provide case management and do reporting for 20 people rather than the 40 you're doing, then you need to have a conversation with your supervisor or whomever is guiding those numbers and make sure that it's realistic in order to meet the needs of your reporting as well. Fantastic. Thank you all so much for your contributions today. I really appreciate you taking the time. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Meg. Thank you, listeners, as well, for joining us today. Keep an eye out for upcoming meta resources, which will build on our guest contributions, including a tip sheet with more details on their suggestions, a case study about improving data quality, as well as some useful templates. You can sign up for the meta newsletter to be sure you receive our updates. And tell us what you think of the meta podcast. What other topics do you want to hear about? Email meta at rescue.org or contact us on Twitter at USMetaSupport to let us know. As always, you can learn more about meta at metasupport.org.